Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Call-Up with myself, Daniel Holloway, and my co-host, Gabe Lloyd. How are you, sir? Good evening. I'm doing well. Had some fun. Rode my bike today. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Is that, should we expect fitness? Good day. Is it going to be Watch Gabe out Fitness for, them, for me at the next race. Yeah. Gabe as long the as fitness. there's a race where I can tow my children around, <laughs> you watch out. Dude, <laughs> you're a race for new race day category. Is that safe? You five in tow? I've done that. Is that safe? I've done that at right, my races, actually. Oh, it's so good. You five in tow races are the best. Let me tell you what. It's one lap. Everybody's got a trailer on, and it is hilarious. But is there yeah. live babies? We do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, everyone has over their actual child in the trailer. It's mm-hmm. amazing. What do you think would happen if you put like 10 as grand as online? It... Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up. Hit me up. I will put your name all over the next U5 in tow race at the Tour of Somerville next somebody year. From, somebody from Thule <laughs> or Burley, you want to show how safe your trailers are, how stable they are. Call mm-hmm. Gabe, set it up, and um, right. he will start start a revolution. <laughs> so, okay, on to business. Yeah, on to what we're here for. Oh, right, the serious stuff. Salt Lake City Criterium. Daniel, how was it, man? First off, it was freaking hot, dude. What? How exactly hot was it? Was it like frying egg hot, or was it just like sweating down your shirt hot? It. It's interesting because... I'm in a little different like fitness spot than I was last year. And I've noticed that not mm. being in shape, the heat is oppressive, like more so than when I'm in shape. And so I'm in a little better physical shape now going to that race than I was last year. But I will say like riding the scooter around to get to the race, kind of walking around, it didn't feel as hot as last year. Okay. And I don't know like if there's like, if it's, you know, I'm that much fitter, which I highly doubt. But then I kind of asked around, I was like, it's like, <laughs> is it, is it, is it hot as last year? And I couple of I was like, it's not, but the temperature says it is. So I don't, I don't know. Okay. Like we got to get a meteorologist on or something to explain the phenomenon right. or maybe there's like a weird phenomenon of like the apps are just getting more like fear based. <laughs> and so everybody's app is just telling them that you should be inside because otherwise you're going to die when in fact, it's just always been this way. Yeah. Could be. And so, it. and not to say that it wasn't hot. I mean, it was hot, but I don't think if it was, I don't think it was as hot as last year, mm-hmm. I don't know, but okay. I wasn't exerting myself. So those people racing might have a little, some words for me. I don't Fair know. enough. Well, if, if you're listening to this, post a comment, send us some notes. We love to hear it. Um, so we got our women's race. ACC stop six. It, yeah, ACC stop six coming into it. Leaders jersey on the back of Miami Knights with Paula Munoz. And uh, it was quite the race. I mean, just sort of before we get to the end of it, was your sort of general uh, observations throughout your your time in the commentary booth throughout that race. It was because as a spec, I'll start as a spectator watching from afar. It was a lot of attacks. There were some separations, but then ultimately uh, nothing was really sticking. It seemed like everybody was really racing for a field kick. But what did you think? Yeah. I mean, the big thing to note for this race is like no Legion, right? So you would mm-hmm. assume that that's going to open up a different strategy from a lot of different teams, and nobody's going to err on, oh, we're not going to get away because Legion's going to bring it back. Oh, you know, we can't do a lead-out because Legion's going to do the lead-out. And some, you know, passive... What's been passive, you thought would be... Some teams would try to open it up a little more, be not so afraid because there wasn't such a team like Legion to, like, just guarantee to bring it back. And... That did happen, but it still took a little longer than I thought it was, around 20 minutes. You know, it they started really kind of getting into it. Um, and I think it was Ava Hackman that threw the first big one. And she kind of, okay. I think if I remember right, that she was like kind of the first rider to throw out the tack and just kind of really start the momentum. And then 
it just kind of rock and rolled from there. There was seemingly continuous action. There was a couple of lulls, like, you know, rightly so, after some really hard racing in the heat. You just kind of a sure. reset, and yeah. it being a smaller field, like 40 riders, you don't have the full depth to keep that momentum going. So when you're only counting on, say, 20-ish riders really contributing to the pacemaking, there's going to be those natural lulls in a, in a small field. So that's, okay. that wasn't out of norm for me watching. And so, yeah, it just kind of kept rolling, and we did see some big, big breaks in terms of, like, you know, the gap not necessarily in size. And I thought they were like, I really did think that there was going to be a chance for it to stick, but for some reason it just didn't work out. Like the, you know, teams just didn't like the makeup or but, the breakaways were just imbalanced enough that a strong rider was close to their limit. And they saw somebody sit on a little too long and didn't feel comfortable to continue riding, you know? And there was, so I think there was a little bit of that gap that like, they couldn't just overcome that hurdle for two laps to just like let it settle, you know, kind of help that person recover and then get them back in the mix. So, you know, the strong rider could come down a little bit and be okay. It was just kind of like, it just didn't come together quite right. But how much of that overall dynamic is affected by ACC standings versus like separating all that and just racing for the day of, right? Because we have day of racing versus this series that's sort of on top of the day. And do you think that something like like Miami Knights was just really trying to control the whole race simply for points and simply to try and protect their overall series lead and just at the sacrifice of everybody else's efforts to race on the day? I mean, a little bit, right? Like, you know, they want to continue to grow that, like, you know, any – race leader wants to but I didn't think any of those breaks were like all that dangerous to you know the the ACC simply because there was no legion riders there okay and like yeah you want to get maximum points versus the people behind you but that doesn't necessarily need to happen to like you know let six go away with and you have a teammate in there that can also win um so I don't necessarily think the ACC racing point standings affected any of that to be honest okay good to know well um i wanted to sort of look at the we have a lot of this on the youtube uh sort of recap and i was curious as to some of this the last lap component um where denver disruptors was coming to the front looked like they're really being pretty dominant um, are trying to be dominant as best they could, but Paolo Munoz was just sitting third wheel and just surfing, surfing, surfing. Like, I think we talk a lot about how, um, you know, there's teams are trying to do lead outs. We talk a lot about lead outs and proper structured lead out components. But if you watch that red jersey of Paola, I mean, she was just floating really beautifully for this entire time. Uh, I mean, is that just a dynamic that's within this this women's field, or is that just Paola like just being super smart? Uh, Paola's super smart. Like she, we didn't we miscalled her name a few times. Uh, I just like didn't put it together. Like the red jersey, and we were calling Praderis as Paola. Um, okay. And so originally thought that she was like racing pretty aggressive, but it was just uh, Praderis doing that workload, which was great. Mm. Um, and just kind of realizing, oh, like we, Powell's just completely hanging out, just doing absolutely nothing, not worrying about anything, really trusting her team uh, to execute and be where they need to be or bring back whatever they need to bring back. And I mean, Powell's been racing a long time. I think we're like the same age. I remember seeing her at Junior Worlds and, you know, just kind of throughout my career, just always seeing at those international competitions, whether it be World Championships, Pan Games, Pan Championships, et cetera. Um, so mm-hmm. she's got a lot of experience and, and can really fall back on that and trust. I mean, she's an navigate. Olympian actually. Yeah. There you go. I'm she not, represented so I never her. saw her there. That's why I didn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah, yes, there's that. I mean, yes, but to your point, she's been racing a long time and very experienced. So, yeah. And then just kind of backing up from the, from the last lap is that Mammy did go to the front like quite early. 
uh, for their for their team to start the lead out. I thought that was like quite aggressive. And not only did they come to the front, mm. they like rode pace instead of just like kind of claiming their spot and riding a tempo. It literally looked like they rode above tempo, uh, you know, way too early. And then we see that going into the last lap where it's Paula by herself, kind of with um, Braderas, you know, floating around. But even Braderas had to kind of do a big turn, go back and float a, a little bit yeah. um, in that last lap, lap and a half or so. And so we saw yeah. Miami and then DNA took over and then, you know, they kind of fell apart. And then Ava Hackman shook up the lead out again. She was crazy aggressive all race, you know, rider of the day almost, or, you know, I would say, uh, just really okay. just kind of always out there, uh, putting that team in a position to be chased rather than chase, which, which is always good. Yeah. So it was just like Miami DNA came over the top. They kind of fell apart and then Denver, you know, with just the two riders in the finale and then going into the backstrips, it was just kind of like onesies, twosies. You know, and so far out that you didn't want to commit your yeah. last readout, lead out rider to go that early and leave you hanging halfway between three and four. So it was just kind of like this stalemate got mixed, you know, mixed up a bit. And then, you know, between three or four, like kind of the big acceleration and commitment happened. And then, the, you know, the sprint. Yeah, it's just so interesting to me to watch Denver try to maintain control of this. They started with two on the front, and then coming out of turn four, I'm watching they had one rider sort of peel off, and then DNA took over, as you're talking about. But Paula and Praderas just, like, shot out like a cannon. I mean, they're, like, at least four bike lanes ahead of everybody else on this thing. I mean, it's just – it's interesting to me to watch a team like Denver – do the things that you're supposed to textbook do, but then have them like just get get sort of owned here. I mean, if we're does that? I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just an interesting officer observation on my part to see that because um, they ended up where did where did Leah actually finish up here? Eighth. Uh, eighth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like talking about like you know they just went a little too early and, and ran out of steam and then got overlapped. Like kind of DNA started the rush you know, a little bit, and then brought, you know, looks like Butcher Box Riders, you know, another Miami Knights rider, and then you have, you know, Peta Mullins, who kind of got caught out on the Denver rider coming back. You know, we, you can see Palomunas go inside onto the DNA riders, and yeah. Peta just kind of gets hung out to dry on the right. Um, you know, she finishes further back than I think she had the legs for. Okay. But we also see that the other Australian rider that was third came from way back, like 10th wheel, I think. Nicola McDonald. Yeah, yeah I mean, Nicola McDonald. Yeah, she's like she's like hardly there going into the last corner and just makes up a ton of headway into the into the line, which is great. Yeah, really, really smart racing by that rider in particular to just really float, 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 especially – to our knowledge, she doesn't have a lot of experience in this actual field. So she doesn't really know who does what necessarily, right? Like sometimes you get caught up in this idea of, okay, well, I know this rider is going to go hard then fade, so I'll use them for a little bit and then jump. But this rider really just had to, to surf pretty organically uh, in order to get that, that nice kick at the end. Yeah. And then, I mean, it was like also impressive is that after Praderis is what she did all race. I mean, at the end of the day, it was faster than Paola. I mean, if you just watch the yeah. sprint, she pulls up alongside her and is like faster and then just goes, you know, heads up riding. My teammate needs to win, get maximum points. We're well clear. I'll sit up at 25 meters and start celebrating. Still getting yep. second. <laughs> um, you yep. know, we can kind of see the same thing that the camera just sees her arms goes up and zooms on her and doesn't even see Paola. You know, Powell was not even in the frame winning the race. You know, it's kind of funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, that was pretty interesting. All right. So, good breakdown here. Let's talk about winners and losers. Uh, winners. Not winners. Us. Not us. Our, <laughs> you know, I had Olivia Munez, 
Mullins, Bennett, Owen. And so Olivia was, you know, coming off a of track camp and just, you know, didn't have it. She's, she's you know, really kind of gearing up for track worlds uh, and got away to this race because it's DNA's home race and, you know, just kind of need to be a part of that. Uh, Munoz ahead for second, so it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Peto was seventh, so thereabouts, you know. Um, then Jillian Bennett was 11th. And Harriet was fourth, so not terrible, but, you know, not as close as been previously. And then you had Owen, Munez, Cummins, Bennett, Sear. Right, so I had more of a DNA lead out kind of thing. So didn't quite get that one right. But back to Mm -hmm. the winners, I would say I have two. I would say... Nicola McDonald from Australia coming get in third, kind of in her cool. yeah. what I believe is her first crit here. Uh, the way she kind of finished that off, I thought was pretty pretty outstanding. And then, yeah, big shout out to Ava Hackman from Denver uh, with the way she rode. I thought her timing was really well, and I think she did what she needed to do to put Denver in a position to win the race. And then the other part of that equation didn't work out for him. Okay. So Ava was a winner? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, my winners, uh, I really did think that Miami Knights figured it out. And so Paula Munoz, easy as on that one. Um, I did message with Andrea Sierra a little bit afterwards, and she was very thrilled that they were able to execute a plan. You know, like they, they came in with this mindset of grabbing ACC points and it was they actually pulled it off and in a way that they felt really comfortable with so um so munoz to me uh, the fact that she delivered on a plan and and did it quite well with the support of her team i would say that she's the winner of the race overall there you go and now losers You want me to go first? Yeah. You send it. <laughs> Remember, we love you all. Um, I guess I was just confused by Denver in a way. So it's DNA in Denver, right? Because it's DNA's home race, and they had a little bit of pressure to try to take the win. They certainly had the horsepower to do it, but the organization at the end sort of left Harriet out on her own, but you could see in the overhead that she was overgeared in the sprint. And she was just sort of pedaling through cement at the end. And so it wasn't really a, uh, a great opportunity for her. Uh, and then, but I think overall, I'm looking at, um, I guess, Kirkman becomes a loser as a top finisher for Denver Disruptors. Because her, I mean, they, they tried to do a full-on lead out for her. And she ended up eighth. So, sorry. Kirkman. Yeah. I don't dis- like, I see that. I get it. But unfortunately, yeah, I think DNA is is the bigger losers. You know, they just didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, you know, with a little bit of context, right? They have, are training for two different objectives. This, they have a lot of riders at altitude getting for Columbia. So, I think this is the best team they could kind of put together with their overall goals unfortunately just okay. you know wasn't good enough um they didn't in the final moments of it just didn't make it happen and you know with all of that in a home race like they didn't even make the podium as well so i would call that like as the biggest biggest losing out um okay of the day for the women fair enough i think a special shout out for the aussies though the aussie kids coming over Super far from home, doing new things, racing really well. Um, not overall winners, not overall losers, but like getting on the podium, that's pretty awesome. So just just a special, special for those kids. Special howdy. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, they did come back. Like Peta got second, right, the, day, the Sunday race at um, Sugar House. So, okay. you know, they came and uh, performed. So, yeah, 
and Paula won. Awesome. Harry Owen was third. So made up a little bit from the Saturday race. So I think everybody got like a little bit of re- redemption for the most part that didn't do well Saturday. They kind of made up for it Sunday in some fashion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then on to the Minskis. The Mins. Whew. This was quite the race, wasn't it? A lot yeah. of action. A lot of, yeah. Um, first off, who is this 19-year-old kid that took the one lap to go for him? Matt Dorf. Uh, yeah, yeah. he was on Lux. Um, yeah, as a junior, and with that team, you know, you know dissipating. Uh, you know, they have sometimes taken like a 19-year-old that just couldn't be placed uh, and still support mm. him, but they just didn't exist at all. I love his uh, team name, Your Name Here Racing. Love, you know, <laughs> just like, hey, dude, like, you want you here? Um, holler at me. But I, I think he wrote, uh, you know, for being 19 super aggressive, good timing. You know, none of it was just like wasted, uh, wasted effort. I do, you know, I did really appreciate him going for that premium and just keep riding. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in the, on the commentary, I was just like, he's got to keep riding because it's, you just never know. And yeah, like we saw last year with corner one, anything could happen. Corner two is, you know, it had a crash early in the race. It's had crashes there previously. So, you know, and also come to find out a crash did happen and he was, had the gap and he had Robin Carpenter with him. And so he was in a position that if things kind of started to fall his way, you know, he could have ended up with like not a bad ride. Yeah. So I really appreciated Mac, like just continuing to race after that preem because yeah, anything could happen. Found himself with Carpenter and that could have turned into, you know, a podium top five depending on like what kind of chaos happens behind. So big shout out to him yeah. all race for, for doing that kind of ride. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty active throughout the entire race. As far as I remember, um, you know, it, I think he was going for preems. He was trying to like, animate the race. He was putting himself into good moves. So that particularly caught my eye though, when he went for that one to go preem. So, uh, and you guys called him out as being 19 years old. So really cool to see that next gen. Um, it also was cool to see, I thought the Kiwis like Theo Gilbertson and Hayden strong were doing a whole bunch of stuff throughout the night. Um, it was know, overall get- it was, Go ahead. Yeah, it was hard to get their names, but they were active. Timing was good. Uh, you know, Hayden ended up sixth, and they ended up sixth and seventh, respectively. So they're getting it together, figuring it all out, and, yeah, racing for it. So, yeah, it's good to have that those type of riders, that type of mentality in, in these races. And um, just sort of give us a little 411 on, you talked to Thomas Gibbons after the race. In the middle of the race, Automatic went to the front and just did this big, very organized effort. Um, I was wondering about that, and it seems like you got a little bit of insight on it. Can you help us understand what was going on there? The best I could put together, and it was kind of like we saw them race in Athens and at the Dairyland ACC race was it's a very new team, you know, and Gibbons is, you know, got these riders that are pretty green, you know, other than kind of Davey Dawson. And so it's just coming up with your guy like Gibbons that has a lot of experience, a lot of HP. He can do it one of two ways. You can just be like, everybody help where you can, and I'll just take care of myself. And it just is what it is. Um you know, don't be too dumb and don't chase, don't chase each other down. Or you can go, okay, I'm going to like put my pride aside, put my, you know, ego of needing to get results, you know, to the side a little bit and go, look, I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to win races, if I want a team that can win races, I've got to teach five guys how to do it. And so I think that's what he's doing is they're picking points in the race picking times to go, look, we're going to get together and this is what we're going to do. And whatever happens, happens after that. But if we execute this, then we can put that in our toolbox as a tool. You've all experienced what that feels like. You've all 
you know, knows what it feels like, whether you got it right or you got it wrong. You can always look back and be like, I was able to do this at Salt Lake and I either did too much or too little. And they can take that into the next race, into the next race, the next race. And that's how you grow. That's how you get better. That's like the, the only way is to have experiences and then reflect, reflect and then learn from them. So from my mm-hmm. perspective, with a little bit of a chat that I had afterwards, that was just kind of the thing that, they recognize like we can't do this at the end of the race. So we're going to do it at the middle, middle of the race and see what transpires. And when they did it at Athens, it just blew the race apart, put Gibbons in the move that lapped the field. And that's success. They had success doing that at toad. One of their guys, you know, they kind of blew up the race and one of their guys won solo. So Hmm. they're gathering the experience. It's kind of trial and error. And if you bring up all these like Cat 2s, Cat 3s that have never raced like that, you, they have to get experience. You have They have to get different viewpoints to then be able to put everything together to then execute at this at this higher level consistently. Mentorship. Well, we talked about that a few episodes ago, how important it can be for mentorship to exist in the sport um, on a lot of different levels. There's stuff that happens off the bike, but then there's a lot of in-race mentorship that can occur. So it's kind of cool to hear how Tom is understanding that he maybe needs to groom this crew a little bit, and he's giving them some real race opportunities in moments when he knows that they can find control in that way. And and then they'll know when they can do it later on next season, hopefully for him to or maybe another sprinter, right? But they'll, they'll, they as a unit will start to organize themselves in a way that allows them to potentially challenge. So great to see that mentorship component. Hats off to them for that. Um, we're looking at, my goodness, what a race. I mean, I, I'd like to just really touch on briefly before we go to sort of those final kicks here, but not a full Legion team. How much do you think that really affected this race overall? Um. I mean, I think it has an impact. I think it for sure it frees guys up to be more open to attacking and riding. Mm-hmm. And if they get in a six, seven man move, you know, a little more confidence that that could possibly stick, you know, and you don't have the Legion train in the back of your mind going, oh, you know, there's five, you know, four or five guys back there that's really going to chase us down. Now you can be off the front with six, seven guys. And if you look around and go, you know, all but three teams are here, we could stick this. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a Knights rider, if you have a Denver rider, respectively, you know, who's, what team is good enough to chase? You know, because ACG didn't have a full team there to, you know, put together. And the other teams that were right. full just don't have the depth and experience to put together a super solid chase. And that's right, what we saw right. kind of happen throughout the race was a really good breakaway would go and then like a onesie would miss it and then teammates that were already up the road would tag would tag it like they're supposed to and then get the ride up and it would just kind of grow. And there was a couple that just got simply like too big and they kind of just died from the front because you look back and it's like, wow, there is six dudes just sitting on. <laughs> and you're just, why, <laughs> why are you going to continue to work in that situation? If, if six guys are getting a free ride and not really showing that they're they're really all that interested in con, you know riding at some point sure yeah I mean I think we talked about that in the pre-show even about passengers in these breakaways that can just stifle the momentum of of these races so it sounds like that did occur and ultimately we ended up with a with a field sprint Um Quite the final lap, wasn't it? I mean, so we do. We talked about our young man who uh, I actually just watched the overhead for that one to go. He came from like twenty wheels back out of turn four, <laughs> and I got that one to go preem, which yep, is amazing. Um, and then, I mean, what what happened here with the uh, with the Corey situation? When I mean, he just like sort of washed out awkwardly, sitting second wheel. Um, uh, did you get, did you talk to anybody that was on the ground at all? I mean, or was it really what you and Brad talked about on the commentary where he sort of came into it at a funny angle 
and just any type of debris on the road is just going to pull them to the ground kind of thing. Yeah, so just depending on who you talk to, there's guys that were like, that corner was completely fine, like zero issues, what have you. And then there's other guys saying, oh, that was like a super slippery corner. There's just like dust everywhere. And it seems Mm -hmm. like if you were a victim of sorts of that situation, you were saying the road was dusty. And if you didn't get caught up any of that, then you were like, I don't you know, what dust? I, I didn't have an issue. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and I, like kind of just watching it back a little bit, I don't see anything crazy abnormal other than maybe that like Corey just kind of goes inside and then just like, almost like you do in a race car where it's like you leave a little room to the outside to just kind of load up a little bit and then turn in, which can kind yeah. of create a little bit of a, like a steeper angle. But it's like, it, it really isn't, that much of anything but i mean again if it's you just hit that one spot that has that like a little bit more sand if you will you know and you're just one degree over normal it's you know it can be game over okay so yeah it's interesting it's, it's so, hard to say other than that so then help well then help me understand the the post Corey crash moment for Robin Carpenter. Carpenter finds himself isolated at the front. Is it not? I mean, he's looking back. He's like, uh, where did Corey go? Is it not his job to like regroup and then, and then sprint or, or what? Like it looked like he just like completely like realized Corey wasn't there and he just sort of went backwards and just sat up. Like I, I was very surprised by that. I, I sort of assumed that he'd be like, okay, got to regroup. Let's get our shit together. Let's, let's try to jump on what's left of this lead out here. But yeah, I mean, what like, happens when you're in that situation? Yeah. Two things there is we saw Ty in a similar situation at Tulsa, right? Where he just does like a mm-hmm. massive turn, looks back and his, his guy isn't there. Justin's on the wheel or really anywhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. And he, you can definitely see that he swings over, looks, and nobody's there. And you can just see that he's, like, not happy about it. And then immediately pulls his head yeah. in, swings back in, and sprints. And he gets top 10 or something. Or it might even been better than top 10. I can't quite remember. This but, is the arts district we're talking about, right? Yeah, day two. Yep. So okay. that's that's kind of the similar example. And then we watch this replay. Corey crashes. The camera pans. And Carbon, Carbon, Robin looks over his shoulder like pretty quickly. It's not like he's continued to kind of do his lead out and just checking his shoulder to kind of gauge. He heard the crash. He looks back, you know, basically right away. And then, yeah, at that point on this particular course, especially with a crash, is he's got to go all in. I mean, he's got like, I get it that he's been taking care of Corey and doing work and everything else, but my opinion with the type of rider he is, is if he just launch it, like just goes full, he can, he has a chance. Cause again, anything yeah. can happen in the last couple corners. You know, that's like option one, in my opinion for a rider like that is he goes all in or like he said, he's got to like get back in and see that. I mean, it's, it's six guys that are onto that like train. He's also right. In my opinion, good enough with fatigue to just jump onto that train and, you know, quote, ride it in for a top 10. I agree. Just following the wheels. So Mm -hmm. it is a little bit disappointing to see a rider of that caliber just kind of pull the plug, pull the plug, not even try. Um, You know, and that's just me being a critic from the sidelines. Like I don't have his power meters, heart rate, you know, like I'm not there, but surely it looked like he had more and could have done more. So. Yeah, I mean, looking at this drone shot coming out of turn two, I guess, is it? But like you like you just said, there were a group of six, and I was like, all right, just get on it. Yeah. You know, just even if you get sixth or seventh, like that's going to salvage your, your day. And you just watch him on the left side of the screen just like go backwards. And I'm like, where are you going? So, all right, so it, I'm glad to hear you. In a way, I'm glad to hear you say that. I would love to actually have 
um, to understand that from from Robin's perspective. But I, I was I was seeing what you were just describing throughout that. So yeah, um, save of the day goes let's, to let's Noah talk. Brannigan. Holy smokes! Save of the day, yeah. Oof, and then gosh. Rodriguez like not far behind him. Also um, keeps it together for himself. Pretty impressive. Yep. So yeah. Noah got himself back into 10th, which means he was on the other side of that split, maybe, but his time gap is the same. No, no, he he did that, fully got, like, was the first guy that was completely cut out, got himself together, sp sprinted, and did the lead out for Ren Rinsberg. Like, halfway down the oh. back stretch, you know, caught up and was like, I'm He's the lead out He's on the back guy. of this? He, wow. he let it out. From halfway down, he, like, Full, that was him? Full beans. I thought that was Castillo. No. Wow. Full beans caught back up, got in front of Ren Rinsberg and let him out. And, you know, Rinsberg, you know, just didn't have the legs because Rinsberg also was the guy after the incident was on the front putting the pace on, which I thought was strange. You know, that was definitely a moment as a sprinter. You have to gamble. You have to come out like it, it gets so chaotic. You watch your leadout guy kind of come unraveled. You like you definitely got to be like you know it's not my onus this far and whatever even if Robin is riding you know let somebody mm -hmm. else do that big effort so to see him as the guy just put pace on continue to put pace on um, not even yep. didn't seem like he even checked for Noah to see if Noah was going to come back or anything um, mm. so there was that or you know he he starts to go and. I mean, it happens so fast. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and you have to just have a lot of history with your lead guy as a sprinter. But if Noah was going sure. that good, Noah could have, like, should have got on Rinsberg's wheel and just been like, go. Like, you do the lead out. I'm going to sprint. You know, and if oh, okay. if they would have swapped roles, maybe a different outcome the way Noah was riding. Okay. You know, I mean, Rins Interesting. Rinsberg still got third, but... Yeah. I don't know the way the way Noah was riding. I th I think he had it. You know, if he would have been the guy to been you know protected. Okay. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk real quick about what you were talking about on the broadcast about Summerhill's patience, real quick before we get into winners and losers, because I thought that was really beautiful. How like how you observe that and and sort of this evolution of Danny that we've witnessed throughout this, this entire season. And uh, if you could just sort of rehash why and, and how you saw him being patient and how that got him to the finish line first. Yes. Yeah, so if we, you know, again, he doesn't have a full team. He's got Hernandez and in this particular role, like Hernandez has, is not leading him out. He's sitting on his wheel. And what that does is just create space for Danny, Hernandez is a buffer to kind of make it so Danny doesn't have to fight as much mm -hmm. people. He can just kind of create this bubble. And because Danny is like directly racing Rodriguez, he needs to be directly on that wheel, you know, for, for the sprint. So to have mm -hmm. put Hernandez potentially in front of you and not be that good, not be able to go with an acceleration. Now Danny's got like an extra bike length that he has to, he has to close. So we cool. see Danny riding the Miami Knights train, you know, uh, the last couple laps. And then we see the crash happens. He's inside. He gets, um, let's re-watch that again. There was just a couple of red jerseys there. Sorry, everybody, as this comes back. So... You know, he's right behind no, Rodriguez. And we know that Rodriguez, you know, locks it up, does a little bit of nose wheeling, and then gets gets back into it. And so Danny's mm -hmm. just... Yeah, between Rodriguez and Clever. And it... Yeah, when he goes... When that happens, Danny, he like, hits the brakes. But even when he comes out of the corner, he's not, like, out of the saddle, full beans. He, like, just gets back into gets back into it, like, you know, again, first moment of, like, not panicking in the situation. I mean, like, just A-plus move. And then as it all just kind of right. reshuffles, Noah comes back up, 
you know, Danny in the chaos finds Van Rinsburg and gets himself, yep. you know, carries his momentum that Rodriguez loses and is now in front of Clever and Alfredo. And Hernandez also was able to beautifully sneak into Summerhill wheel, Summerhill's wheel. And again, just like mm-hmm. for that little bit of a moment, cause a bike length that Rodriguez has to go go around. And we see that Rodriguez has to pop out between three and four, which is an effort. And then yep. they go through four. And instead of just like having that instinct of coming out of a last corner, knowing that everything's a bit chaos, the guy you're racing is like right on your wheel. Like there's a lot of instinct to just like want to go. And he just waits, you know? And he just is, is very mm-hmm. patient and has that line in the sand of, if I don't feel anybody on my hip, I can wait this long. And it's, it's best to wait, you know, as long as possible. And he just does. He just trusts himself that he can wait as, lo- as long as possible until somebody comes, you know, fills somebody on his hip. And so nobody was even to get on his hip before that line in the sand was crossed. And then he just, he just opens it up. And because of everything that transpired before it, Rodriguez had just a little more in his legs going into that final acceleration. And Danny didn't. Danny just was able to like stay in control, um, not have any of that kind of... And it's just that part of a sprint. It's just one extra acceleration that, that makes the difference. Right on. Yeah, Danny came out of turn four, and I just did a quick like four 1,000 kind of count before he actually started his sprint at a turn number four. So he comes through four and then it's count up to four, 1000, maybe five, 1000 even. And then he starts sprinting and that, that patience is just incredible. And it's really cool to hear you explain that, that understanding as a sprinter of if you don't feel it on your hip, then you've got that time, right? Like that's like sort of the piece and the, that makes the difference between like good riders and smart riders. Yeah. Right. And there's and so can, really cool to hear. Yeah. And you yeah. can see that the, like just out of the corner, there is like a half bike link between him and Rinsberg that he's like, he's opened for himself. And, mm-hmm. you know, it does a couple of things. It gives himself again, like that draft to run into just for those first two acceleration pedal strokes. You just kind of are able to take that, but it also does give you a bit of an out, a hole to run into that. If somebody does come up to your hip, and there's room in front of you, you have room to like accelerate and push out versus if you're directly on the wheel and somebody shows up like on your hip or your, your handlebars, like all of a sudden, now you don't have anywhere forward to go to get yourself out. You're just like stuck there. And you can see that a lot in the yeah. tour sprints where guys are being a little too patient or that, you know, they just don't have the legs, the legs to move that much. But the next guy just takes a run and just parks himself there. And then they just, you know, now everybody's like even, but you're now you're even in a, but boxed if you have the legs and if you don't have any room to give yourself to kind of run into, you know, you feel that guy accelerate next to you. If you don't have anywhere to also to accelerate, to match that guy and kind of push your way out, you're dead in the water. So Danny left that gap to run into for both the slingshot, but also just in case somebody does get next to him, he's got room to move forward as he's kind of pushing out and making space for himself. Beautiful. All right, let's hit winners and losers. Yeah, Summy continues to open his gap in the ACC. Uh, Very good for him. You know, this is the first ACC race that he's won, so he was pretty happy about that to be like, okay, now I can wear, like, I feel better wearing this jersey, not just being like Mr. Average, you know. I've got this jersey because I can win bike races and also be, you know, always there. So he was was pretty, um, when we talked about it, he's like, that was one of his big talking points. Mm, cool. Uh, and then also, do my, I do my winner? My other um, shout out is the boy Jack Chakra gets eighth from Empire. <laughs> so I thought you'd save that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gets it now. He's um, and that team Empire. They rode a great race. They were super active, always present. Um. Yeah, they've just leveled up. Brad Huff is a consultant, you know, friend of Pat Casey there. So Pat calls him, you know, kind of the chief morale officer over there. So they've got Brad in their corner, which is you can't have anybody better. Uh, you know, Brad's great. Mm-hmm. And so you can see them 
getting good advice, putting that together. And Jack has just been slowly picking off three or four places every race. Um, and he's not a big guy. You know, he's, he's a small guy. So on one of these courses that's maybe a little more technical, you know, a little more demanding, you know, he's getting himself close to that top five spot by just getting himself in the right place at the right time where there's not a ton of super HP required. Like, you know, this race was just big HP two to three. Yeah. And then out of four, it's just big HP. And that's just not who he is. But if it's like six, seven corners and he can get a guy to place him in sixth, you don't need that big HP to like, just stay where you are. You can just, you know, accelerate coast, accelerate coast, which, you know, right now that's, that's the kind of rider he is for these crits. So super cool to see cool. him continue to climb the climb the results. Yeah, we'll be looking for him in the future. All right, so my winners are I you know, I love the story of Danny this year and just how patient he was overall. Um, I don't know. I kind of I kind of wanted to give a long shot to to Hayden just because we know him, but I actually think after today's conversation, um, I guess I go to Grant again in a funny way for 10th, but like, so Danny had this beautiful thing. We just spent so much time talking about that. And I think that's, that was amazing. But like Noah really, I mean, to almost go down to then reaccelerate, get yourself to the front, become the lead out man, even if maybe he should have been the sprinter and then just re just bury himself when I watch that on the replay um, and then still hold on. I don't know. I felt like that was pretty amazing uh, ride. Does that qualify for a winner? Am I, am I muddling what a winner is here for our, for the call up? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's what you want it to be. I mean, I would have maybe, I just thought for it a, I would have like maybe saved that for a shout out. Not uh, a winner, but that's me. Right, well, so you do what you do. You're yeah. your own man. We didn't exactly establish criteria for the for winners and losers, did we? Or we never really did that. We just sort of, any of always this. rolled with it. Any of this is really just winging it from the hip. Um, Summerhill, then I guess, is actually your winner. You know, for all that patience and everything else we talked about, holding off Rodriguez to the end and just being so clever and patient overall. So, Danny, how Summerhill? is your winner. Losers. Who do we got? It's hard to... Who we don't see in the top 10 or top 5 that we both had was Marte. And Marte crashed with like 5 to go, I think. Mm. So I would say that's, you know, a big loser on the day. That somebody that can has won against these guys didn't get the chance to because of a crash. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cade Bickmore also a big loser here. He was involved. Uh, he got caught on the outside of that last lap crash. Okay. So also big loser. And I mean, like Corey, I mean, dude hit the deck when I mean he was my race favorite. I thought he was going to win it. No, right? I thought. No, Nat, I yeah. had Noah. No, I had you had Corey. You did call him Noah. I had Corey. Yeah, yeah. So you had Corey as a winner, surely capable of it, but he crashed on his own, like no fault of anybody else. So also a big loser on the day. Yeah, I mean for me it was just outright Corey. I mean he. I don't know. Maybe things would have been different, right? Maybe they were too far up in the pecking order too early with just Robin there, right? Like Noah and Ben Reesberg and uh, Rodriguez and Martinez maybe come over them if things had played out differently and Corey still loses. Um, but to just, just biff it and then become an internet meme again is... Ah, uh, that's just that's just not good, man. So unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go with Corey for sure on that one. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Okay, now Gabe, shout outs. My shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> Granigan. Um <laughs> I got a shout out to uh yeah, to our Aussie boys. Hayden. Um he's a Kiwi. Oliver Theo he's Theo Gilbertson. What did I say? You said Australians. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, they are Kiwis. My Kiwis, um, Aiden Strong, Oliver Grave, and Theo Gilbertson, I thought did a really good job throughout this race being super active. Um, it's just really nice to see Mito Q continue to be supported from afar with James Canney as their guy back, in, back at home. And I've known James a long time, and for him to continue to invest in the sport in a way that this team becomes a springboard for these guys to go on and, and do great things. Like George Jackson graduated from this program last year. He's now racing in Europe and he's on the short list for the New Zealand Olympic team um, on the track. I mean, it's just a really cool program and to actually see them be proactive at the front. Um, it's, it's, it's great to see the Kiwis do that. So Hayden and the boys getting the shout out. There we go. There you have it. Stop number seven is Intelligentsia Cup in two weeks' time, 12 days now. Okay. So that's our, our next big one we're going to check in on, do our pre-post-race, all the goodies. In the meantime, we are going to try to knock out some interviews, get some of these riders on the pod, share some insights, have some fun, etc. So if there's anybody you guys want to hear from, any teams you want to hear from, let us know. Send us a message, and we will try to get them on. Let's do it. And follow us on socials, because we just started that, because we're official now. <laughs> what are those? You're, the, you're our social media man. What are those? Oh, gosh. We are uh, at thecallup.pod. So you can find us on Instagram, on threads, and on Facebook even. What is threads? Because you're on Facebook. Yes, we have threads. We're official. What is it? We jump on the bandwagons, buddy. Don't you, don't you worry. I follow <laughs> wheels, but I don't know if I jump on bandwagons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we're out there. Give us a follow. I'll start posting more stuff, and uh, so will Daniel. We promise. But give us a shout. And uh, if you have any questions for us, that's a great place to to hit us up. If you don't have our direct lines, uh, we we're in this with you guys. We love you all. So we want to know what you want to know. Uh, want to hear? And we'll, we'll make it happen. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, everybody. We are out for now. <laughs>